leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Welcome to the first live edition of this new format called Breaking into Cybersecurity Leadership. And Aaron Brown is our first live guest. Not to say that we haven't had others that participated in this format, but this is the first time that we're going live. So we'll start with a scripted section up first, and then we'll be able to integrate some conversation at the end audience feedback, things like that. So starting out, Aaron Brown, why did you decide to become a cybersecurity leader instead of staying an individual contributor? Yeah, I, thanks for having me on again, by the way, and I'm happy to be the, uh, the, first, uh, the first live one. No, no pressure at all. So I'll say that you know, when I was still working in product engineering land, so when I was still functioning before I moved into security, I was still acting as a full stack engineer and functioning as a security chain. I also mentored some junior tabs as I would, man, I really tongue tied today, junior devs that would join the team. I found this rewarding a couple of different ways, right? One, I got to see and experience their growth and excitement alongside them, as well as you know, I got to learn a lot about myself and maybe some biases that I wasn't aware of, some blind spots I had and improve in the process. I think there's nothing like um, some of the most uh, simple questions that can be asked by somebody who's new in the industry, be it in security or engineering or anywhere somebody is working that kind of reframes their world, right? And when I was functioning as an individual contributor in engineering and that in security, I also had this idea that I really liked being able to mentor and to lead. And also I think it helps to provide greater impact across the organization in some ways by guiding, by leading, and just being a, a voice for the team. I wanted to be able to provide that same level of reflection and leadership that I've had the benefits of having throughout my career. I've been blessed with pretty, pretty good managers and leaders and lead engineers that I've looked up to and that have mentored me. And I don't want it to sound cheesy when I say I wanted to give back, but that's part of it. I wanted to be able to provide that same level of leadership and guidance and just assisting those who are a little more nascent in their career to really uh, turn it into something that's successful and help them build long-term career goals. And because those are the things that I had. So 
maybe a long way to answer or a long way to say, I wanted to be able to provide the same leadership that I've had throughout my career. And in regards to that, what are some of the critical skills required for cybersecurity leadership? Yeah, I think one of those that people are keen on and is trending a lot more these past few years is empathy, right? I think any field that you're working in, if you're a leader or really at any level, having empathy uh, to understand one, where your customer is coming from. By customer, I just mean maybe a teammate internally or maybe a literal customer externally trying to understand where your security posture is. But then, you know, your internal counterparts and teammates across the organization, being able to communicate with them effectively. So empathy is a big one. I think knowing your audience as well, being able to ground risk is you have to be able to communicate it in a way where anybody uh, across the organization can understand, be it a business leader or somebody who is functioning as a chief architect, right? Being able to share that message across is really important. So I think being able to distill down very technical concepts and ideas before looking at maybe a new product, which is securing connections between different services, right? Like how do you explain why we can't move as fast as we would like to, to a business partner, whereas maybe on the engineering side, it's a little bit more uh, tangible and understandable why certain decisions are being made to be more cautious, right? So. I think empathy, knowing your audience and being able to ground that risk and share it out. So that way, if you have a dollar focused business partner, communicate the risk via cost, right? What happens if, when something goes bad, right? Or if you have a brand focused one, communicate reputational risk. And so that way you're speaking their language. And so I think it's empathy and being able to understand and communicate at your audience's level and also within their own context as well, I think are two of the big ones that I think about when as a cybersecurity leader. And then, of course, uh, being a strong voice for your team as well and making sure that when you are going to bat for them or providing that kind of protective shield that we have to do a lot of times with cybersecurity leaders, I, I think that kind of gets all packaged into one. And as you think about your personal comfort level with different competencies, how would you rate yourself in the area of delegation and from one to five and why is that important? Delegation. This is something that I'm still working on. Being a newer leader, somebody who has acted as a lead on teams, but being a, a newer organizational leader, I'd say delegation for me, uh, I, from a scale of one to five, one being the lowest, five being the highest, I give myself a two because it's, I don't like just distributing tasks. I want to have a team that says, okay, this, these are things that I want to chip away at. I want them to have the autonomy to be able to say, this is what I want to be focused on. And it's hard to pull away those things that I know that I can just knock out myself and maybe like 10 minutes, maybe an hour and, or pass it on to a, somebody in my org who may take a little bit more time and may not do it the way that I exactly want to. And all of that is okay, right? It's just, how do I continue to work with my mentor and my leader to improve myself at being able to delegate tasks? Because it's not an easy thing to do is letting go, letting control go on different subjects, right? I think about it from an engineering concept as well. I think about I've built some service for even in the security world, I think about building a process around how are we shipping features from a pre-code design phase to finally out the door. Here's this process that I have created. And as people come in and want to change that process, sometimes it's, this is my process, this is my baby. This is something that I started here. And how do you relinquish control? And so when I think about delegation, I think it's about having comfort with 
losing control over things. And so I, I think that I'm good in some areas of that. And then there's definitely areas of opportunity and for growth for me to continue growing and to being a bit more comfortable with losing, setting aside control and delegating those out. So two for delegation, but then you walked right into the next area I was going to focus on collaboration. How would you rate yourself on a scale of one to five? And why is it a critical skill for people to have? So I give myself a four on this, mostly because I consider myself to be a pretty empathetic person and I have the wherewithal. Let me step back and first say, how are we defining collaboration, right? So when I think about collaboration, I think about it not just intra-team, but across the organization. And so this doesn't just mean how am I collaborating to get this assigned task done or this thing that I know that needs to be completed by X end date and broadening that scope a little bit and saying, how do, how are we evaluating number one risk across the organization, even if it's not an area that falls within my realm, how are we communicating to, okay, I see something here, see something, say something kind of mentality, right? I see something here. Like how can I communicate this across and how can I collaborate with individuals across the organization and doing that inter-team and doing that externally inter-team as well across the organization, I think is a skill that is a must for really anybody working in today's modern workforce. We all are communicating predominantly over some kind of virtual meeting space, be it Zoom, be it Google Meet or any of the larger ones that are out there as well. And so collaboration is key to being able to work across the organization in a meaningful way. And so I give myself a four there and I feel good about that one. So four, two for delegation, four for collaboration. And what about communication? How do you react yeah. for communication from one to five and why is it an important skill? So I'll give myself a 4.5 on this one. And that's because a lot of times I think I over, can over index on um, how much I am communicating. I think it's always important to communicate as much as possible. Again, going back to empathy, right? Like I, I feel like all of these just get covered under this umbrella. And I promise I'm not just using that as a, a cop out to just say everything just ties back to empathy. But I feel like in these three like soft skill things, it really does. So communication is important to be able to, again, get a message of risk across the organization. It's also important, you know, on a team to be able to take in feedback right? Okay. How am I working? Because feedback doesn't just work from your leadership down to you. You have to be able to take leadership from those who report into you, as well as uh, feedback from your peers and either on your team or across the organization and being able to take in communication from a feedback perspective, and then also comfort level of providing live feedback back, asking the question like, how would you feel if I provided feedback in this scenario? Or this is something that I feel Possibly we could have, we have some opportunities for and areas for improvement here, like being able to provide that feedback back, right? Communication isn't just conveying your message and your agenda to get tasks moving. It's also about making sure that you are continually improving while also providing feedback to those peers and leaders and others around you as well. That's a great point. One of the areas we didn't touch on as yet is influence. Why would that be a critical skill to have as a leader? Yeah. So when I think about influence, I tend to think about, okay, how can we unpack what influence actually is, right? It's about communication. It's about knowing your audience. It's about empathy. And so as you're working across your organization, it's important to say, okay, going back to this example of we have this the feature coming out, how can we make sure that it is at some secure point enough to ship? Well, let's the product or engineering organization really wants to get this out the door. So how do you influence those decisions um, to say, 
yes, I also understand the customer need. I understand our business need and I too want us to succeed here. So let's do this together. And so I think it's pulling in those partners, especially the key stakeholders into the conversation and generating buy-in early on to say this, these are some table stakes in terms of so I think influence starts very early on in that process. And so these are table stakes for things that I expect for this type of feature to ship with, right? Let's make sure that we have appropriate monitoring in place. Let's make sure that as people are using a feature that we are tracking their acceptance to possible risk of using said feature and being able to have repudiation back to that. And so here are table stakes, right? Okay, as we progress, like things always change, designs always diverge a bit. And so how do you bring that back in? So. I think influence early on, it always starts with setting some clear expectations, being able to communicate those effectively, and then also being able to understand your end user, what their expectations are and what they will think about that feature as it's rolling out. And so influence is incredibly important. And I think it's also important to differentiate influence from manipulation, right? I think sometimes people can conflate those or get the idea that if I'm influencing somebody, that it means that we are manipulating them, but I don't see that as the case. I think it influences being able to provide a cohesive message and generate buy-in across, uh, across the organization, or at least the stakeholders. That, that makes perfect sense. And we've talked about cl collaborating across the organization and influencing across the organization. What about networking and not the technical networking, but the people networking across the organization or even across the industry? Why is that such a critical skill to have? Yeah, so I think it's important to be able to... With, I think networking, when I like to think of it, I like to consider it as sharing. Right. It doesn't mean that I'm going to go to a mixer or a networking event and just hang out and share war stories, which is fun. But at the same time, I think it's important to be able to listen to your peers and other leaders in the industry, talk with them, you know, maybe even work on a project. That's what I like to do is have conversations and work on projects with smart people because I don't know everything. I know just very little of a particular space, right? Like the cybersecurity space is enormous. The engineering space is enormous. Technology, everything that we're doing is, is just this, like nobody can get their arms around it, right? And so it's, uh, I think if you are hoping to be a generalist or focus in on specific topics, like networking is incredibly important because it at least gets you one in front of people, forces you to have conversations, some of those being outside of your comfort zone. Um, and just continue to learn and grow, right? If you're working in a vacuum or just heads down, yes, you are going to get some level of knowledge that's coming into you, but it's all knowledge that you're self-selecting, right? It's all things that you're going out and seeking. But when you're having a, com a conversation with a new person who maybe you're in some networking group, then you get a different perspective, right? You get a uh, the opportunity to learn somebody else's worldview and how they see, you know, not just cybersecurity, but maybe they have a new take on how to address customer issues as the customer questionnaires, like all these things that can be fraught in our industry that provides you a reshaping and a reframing. Wow. That, that, that's so true. And I've learned a lot in my career from that and continue to recommend it for others as well. So as you start to think about the future generation, we're going to need to develop leaders out of them. What are some pieces of advice that you would give to them if you're looking to go towards leadership versus staying an individual contributor? Yeah, I think that's a good question. 
And one of those is know how to set healthy boundaries is something that I like to say, especially today, as again, most of us are in a remote first organization, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us, it's easy to say, okay, I'm at home. I'm a little bit bored right now. Instead of working on some project or reading a book or these other things that I may have done in the pre pandemic, pre 2020 world, instead, I'm just going to remain at my screen, uh, and continue just a grinding until it's midnight or 2 a.m. And I've now put in a 16 hour day, right? It's easy to do that now, I think in a lot of cases, but that also just generates burnout a lot more quickly, which at that point, you're not going to providing your best work. You're not going to be showing up as your best self. It's going to reflect in the relationships you have with people. And so I'd say, make sure you set healthy boundaries early on, take time to move away from the screen, take a walk, read that book or that graphic novel, whatever it is that you're into, or just like meditate, close your eyes, sit for a second. And I think setting those healthy boundaries and being aware of how you are showing up to your team and your peers across your organization, I think is a good reflection of how, how you are setting those boundaries. Additionally, I think it's another area of opportunity is always going to be remember your so end user being somebody who is consuming your product or your application, right? So we always want to have things to be as secure as possible, right? And so do our end users. And so Making sure that we can get these products to them in a secure way means working alongside your peers to make sure that whatever is going out has reduced risk, right? You're not going to ship everything as secure as you would like to, but work with your engineering counterparts, work with product, work with your, your security teammates to say, okay, this is something that I'm thinking about, right? So be in constant communication with those around you to understand what the end user to have an idea of what is secure enough, right? Like how much risk can we actually reduce here? And then again, just throwing it back, be a part of those conversations, go to those design review sessions, go to the, we have something at Vercel called response with comments, right? So we have the design documents, which are the RFC, and then we have the RWC, which is the response with comments, like going there showing up, being present, having a voice. If you're in a meeting, I know it's easy to sometimes be distracted by Slack or Teams or whatever chat platform your organization is on and all the constant emails that you have flowing into you, as well as all these 30 other design documents that you may need to read through, right? Like all of these things are just constantly barraging you, at least me. I'm sure it's, I'm speaking for a lot of the organization or the industry in general, right? But like constantly just this fire hose, sometimes there's not even a hose, it's just a hydrant that's spraying stuff out at you, right? Um, so like, how do you focus in? I think a lot of that is just being present, right? A lot of times you're at a screen and you're in a 90 minute meeting, maybe the agenda has long gone off the rails, but still you have to remain focused, tell your brain focus. And I know that's easier said than done. I think a lot of that is being able to just show up and be present in the conversation. But being present, one of the questions from our audience members, as earlier you spoke about influence is. Would you consider influence and persuasion in the same bucket? I guess so. I'm trying to disambiguate that from, for myself, right? Like influence and persuasion. I think when I think of influence, I think of persuasion being bucketed inside there, right? I think persuasion gets encapsulated by influence only because persuasion is for me, a communication skill to be able to provide a rationale, right? For me, persuasion is taking in contact, moving it through your own rules engine, your security rules engine that sits in your brain, and then being able to use those persuasion tactics, which <laughs> tactics makes it sound, provides a negative connotation. But I think being able to take those and provide context, run it through your security rules engine, 
and then provide your thoughtfulness out the back end is what we should be, is how I bucket those, right? Like I, I feel like persuasion gets bucketed into influence because it's another piece of communication skill. I was actually just reading the book by Robert Cialdini called Influence and they okay. ask, hey, Professor Roger, welcome on. We're talking to Aaron Brown about his views on what's needed to break into cybersecurity leadership. Welcome on. Hello, Professor okay. Roger. Okay, we'll continue on. As you're growing individuals from younger to leadership, what are some of the things that you do to have them in your, grow in your pipeline? Sorry, do you mind repeating that back? Absolutely. Absolutely. As you're growing people in your pipeline, what are some of the things that you do to ensure that you're well-prepared for leadership? So one of those, I think, is a lot of people want to be, or some people, I should say, want to be a leader because they think it's going to immediately give them greater control or power or influence across an organization. While I think some of those can be commendable ideas of what it means to be a leader, it may, nece may not necessarily be the, like, the best or first motivation, right? For me, it, it comes out of wanting to um, assist others in growing their career and stop me if I start going off track here. But the way I think about it is as we have people flowing in through a pipeline and I, I'm either hiring, getting them into the organization. Yeah, I'll line it with that. As I'm hiring people right now, a lot of it is being able to share the chaos of, of and so when I think about bringing people into leadership, it also makes me think about, <clears throat> you know, being able to convey and communicate the chaos that can ensue from being a leader. There's a lot of responsibility that's wrapped up in here. There's a lot of working across the organization. There's a lot of needing to understand that your team is always going to be the one that comes first, right? I like to think of the team as being its own little company, right? And when you think about somebody who owns a company, they're taking on the risk of of that company, right? They're paying themselves last, right? Everything that's coming to them is coming to you first, right? And so when I think about a team, I think about it as just a small unit, just a small company or startup within the larger organization. And that means that you are the CEO of that little company, right? Of your little, of your team. And being able to communicate that chaos, being able to communicate the, re the level of responsibility that it takes to be a leader is the way that I think about how to start training and pulling people into a pipeline is helping them understand the context of what it means to work in this kind of role. Absolutely. Sharing that chaos is definitely insight in my career that was helpful to see all the things that the leaders shielded you from. Professor Rogers, did you fix your audio? Yes. Can you guys hear me? Perfect. Perfect. Oh, yeah. So what questions do you have for Aaron today? Hello, Aaron. How you doing? Hi, Professor Roger. Pleasure to meet you. All right. I see you got your 3D printer there. Any Anything cool you made so far? Actually, yeah, it's Halloween. So we carved some pumpkins. And one of those things I made is an enclosure for an Ardware. I have a little LED screen with a fisheye lens in front of it. And on that screen is an eye. And so the pumpkin's just a little add of fruit LED screen. So the pumpkin's eye can move around. I can hook up other sensors to it. So that's the most recent thing was just an enclosure for that. But I tend to do a lot of just little functional things with the printer, just things that I find missing around the house. That's cool. I guess that justified the cause, right? <laughs> yeah. It was a gift anyways. My, yeah. It was a birthday gift a handful of years ago. So I'm making good use of it. 
oh, you got a good friend. I got to get in your friend pool. <laughs> you were 3D printers. I got to get in that birthday pool right there. You got to give credit to my mom. She's the one that got it for me. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I wanted to ask, oh, one question I wanted to ask you was, oh man, I forgot the question. It'll come back to me. Okay. As we take that pause, one of the, we, we have a couple of minutes left and I'll probably let Professor Roger ask the last question, but for those of you that are following us, all of Aaron's information is down in the show notes. That way you can follow him, ask him questions as well as share this with your friends and family. Professor Roger, are you ready for that last question? Yes, I wanted to ask, and I'm not sure if you asked this already, but what is the next step for you or the next goal for you or the next third or next technology you're getting into? My next thing is trying to retain what's left of my sand. And I say that because right now I'm in the midst of hiring and I need a lot more people than, or I need more people than what I have. I find myself in this situation because we are very deliberate about our hiring. I think it's easy to just get people into the funnel and say, okay, you will do for now. But it is important to be able to say, you know, no matter how technical you are or how well you may communicate internally with our team, there needs to be an understanding of the context and the culture within which I am working and which Shell is. And so it's important to be able to find people that we know will be successful, right? So right now I'm retaining sanity hearing and trying to find people who I know will be successful because it's, again, it's not always just a technical and communication game. It's also, will this individual fit into the culture, right? And so I'd rather absorb that pain and lose more hair throughout the process as, as just this, again, this hydrant of needs continues to just spill into spill out, um, is I'd rather take on that pain than pull somebody in who will not be successful, not by any fault of their own, just because maybe not the correct fit. I know that was a tangent, but again, for me, when I'm hiring as a leader, I want to make sure that you can set them up for success, which means will they fit with the org? What positions are you hiring for? AppSec across different tiers, different spectrums, but predominantly more senior is my immediate need, product security engineer. And then for Q1 of next year, looking at a couple other hires, likely global AppSec and somewhere within the, the cloud space as well. Okay, good. I'll take that. I'll take it offline with you. I have a big community of cybersecurity professionals. And so I'll take that offline with you. Cool. Thank you. Thank you everyone for joining us on this first live edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity Leadership and Aaron for being the first one to go live with us. Folks, follow us, share us, share us with your friends and family. We will transcribe everything for those that are subscribing to the Breaking into Cybersecurity podcast. That way you have access to this as well as the transcripts. And for the rest of you, it will be live. It will be shared on our YouTube and our LinkedIn channels. Thank you all and have a great day. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business. 
with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.